This episode of New Retina Radio is sponsored by Zeiss. Hello and welcome to New Retina Radio. My name is Alexandra Rechetskaya and I'm a practicing retina specialist at Kola uh, Institute Cleveland Clinic. It is uh, my pleasure today to be joined by two of my friends and colleagues, uh, Dr. Katherine Talcott, who also practices at Coli. Welcome, Kat. Thanks so much for having me. And we also have uh, Dr. Mernali Gupta from Retina Associates of Orange County. Mernali, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. Wonderful. So we have a very um, exciting podcast today. We're going to talk about integrating new therapies as well as new technologies into, as we know, our extremely busy clinics. And uh, we'll start talking about uh, new therapeutics. And then after break, we'll shift and talk a little bit more about imaging technologies. And, um, you know, we all have extremely busy uh, retina practices. Uh, I never tell my patients exactly how many patients I see when they say, how many, how many, how many of us are you seeing today? And uh, uh, we, you know, we're extremely efficient and have kind of learned how to, how to do it well, but we have a lot of new uh, therapeutics coming about, both for uh, neovascular MD and DME, and particular for geographic atrophy, the condition that in the past we didn't have much to offer to the patients. And of course, that comes with increased care time, increased explanation time. So I'll ask you, Kat, how have you been incorporating that discussion with your patients? Yeah, I think you raise really excellent points. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot more to discuss and sort of um, new things to discuss with patients than we previously hadn't. And sometimes it feels a little overwhelming to sort of do that. I think there's a couple things that I've sort of um, been learning that have allowed me to, I think, be a little bit more efficient with my time with explaining sort of new treatments, especially the conditions for geographic atrophy. I think the first is just knowing that um, it doesn't, the, the entire conversation about whether or not someone needs to start a new therapy doesn't need to occur at just one visit. So sometimes I find it helpful to bring up, you know, for geographic atrophy that there's new treatments um, in a broad sense. And I try and get from the patient if they're interested or not. And if they're interested, then I'll launch into more detail rather than just giving a lot of information at once. Um, the other thing that I found useful to do is I'll talk about you know, emerging treatment a little bit. Um, and then I'll say, you know, we don't need to decide today. You know, we have some time, spend some time thinking about it. And then the next time they come in, um, I'll sort of continue that conversation. I find that that's a little helpful to get the patient to think about if it's something that they might be interested in and allows, I think, me to be a little bit more, more efficient with sort of my time and sort of explaining things. I've been breaking it up uh, for a while as well. I actually started talking to them when we were doing clinical trials uh, because patients always ask, right? They're always asked that there's something for me. And I say, well, you know, a uh, couple years back, uh, we are having these drugs that are being evaluated. So when, you know, as we get closer to the approval, I mention a little bit more. As the drug gets approved, I say it's approved, but we don't have it available. So it's kind of building onto that and um, and continue that for, for other therapeutics other than GA. Renali, have you found anything that makes your clinic run efficiently with these discussions? Um, I agree. I, I do it very similar to you guys in a, in a tiered fashion. And I save the really in-depth discussion to 
after it's become FDA approved and it's available for commercial use. Uh, but I sort of start introducing them to the drugs uh, earlier on. I think I did a lot more of that uh, with the geographic atrophy drugs because you know we had nothing and something was coming and we were frequently seeing these patients every six months or, or more. Um, and I wanted them uh, to perhaps come in a little sooner to uh, talk about it uh, shortly after it was approved. With um, some of the other drugs in most patients who are doing reasonably well since there's existing therapies, I don't, um, I wait until it's FDA approved before I really start talking about it very much. To follow up on that, um, the the other issue that I run into, and I don't know if you guys have experienced it, is direct-to-consumer advertisement. Because I feel like uh, these days there's a lot of things that are being advertised and uh, patients don't necessarily know what condition they have and what's being advertised. I mean, I've had several of my patients come in and ask for the GA drug. Have you experienced that in your clinics and what's how do you how do you incorporate that discussion, uh, Kat? Yeah, I think that's a great um, point that you bring up, and I think it's something that feels like a newer thing to our practice because in retina we actually haven't really had a lot of commercials like related to the medications that we use. Um, so I've definitely had patients who have um, been stable on their therapy for a while come in and be like, "Oh, but if you switch me over to this new medicine, I can go to every four months." Um, I I definitely try and sort of um, re-educate on just some sort of key points right away. Like that's a really good point that you bring up that medicine is available. They're often surprised to hear that um, some of these medications have actually been FDA approved for a little bit. Um, and I sort of um, broadly sort of go over, you know, why I'm treating them with the medication that they're currently on. And I sort of broadly go over under what circumstances I would potentially switch. Um, but it's, it's definitely that it's definitely a, a different kind of um, start to a conversation that I think we're used to having as retina specialists. And I'm, I'm sure it's only going to continue to happen more now that we have sort of more treatments for different indications. I'll ask Ronali one more question. You mentioned that you don't talk about the early therapies, but you know, your patient comes in and they want to know about stem cells. Uh, what do you, how do you bring that into the, into the fold? I tell them that, you know, the data and the research on stem cell therapy for, for macular degeneration, it's usually the macular degeneration patients is um, interesting, but very early stage. And, and then I educate them on uh, some of the unethical uh, practices going on in our country and abroad, uh, whereby uh, patients you know, are, are being given these treatments that have not yet been proven to be safe. And some have had uh, devastating complications and just educating them on, you know, if you're gonna do something that's experimental, it needs to be an FDA approved trial. It needs to be something you're not paying for. It needs to be, um, you know, rigorously monitored for safety. And, and, and I, in California, I, I actually regularly have patients who ask about potential such treatments uh, either on the East Coast or, or in, in other countries near to here. Yeah, I think I think it's it's very important, right, to to keep patients educated and uh, tell them at the, about the most innovative uh, therapies that might apply to them, but yet um, uh, be very obviously evidence based and educate the patients about evidence uh, that's out there because there's a lot of information on Dr. Google uh, that patients find that might be misleading. Well, I think um, we touched upon excellent pearls about how to talk about patient, about novel therapeutics, and I appreciate you guys' insights and uh, tips. And uh, we're going to take a, a little break, and we're going to come back and talk about how we incorporate 
uh, this new therapeutics with our imaging modalities that are available uh, to us in Redmi Clinics. So stay tuned for um, more discussion after the break. This episode of New Retina Radio is sponsored by Zeiss. Welcome back to New Retina Radio. Um, I'm joined today by Dr. Kat Talcock and Dr. Murnala Gupta. And uh, before the break, we spoke about how we talk to our patients about incorporating new therapies uh, into our clinics. And uh, of course, uh, no retina clinic exists without imaging technology. We love imaging technology. It's uh, really powerful for us to make clinical decisions, to see the response uh, to treatments, and also to educate the patients. So I'll ask you, Marnali, first, um, how have you been incorporating uh, imaging technology as you think of the new therapeutics that are coming to market? With geographic atrophy and the now availability of treatments for that, um, it's brought up a whole new area of, um, of, of needing to educate patients, not only on their pathology, but how it may change over time. Um, I have relied largely on two modalities to show patients what atrophy is and how it's changing over time. Um, I like to get fundus autofluorescence, uh, not only because it's so easy for them to see the areas of tissue loss and hypoautofluorescence, but it also is helpful for, for me to see the, the pattern of the hypo and hyperautofluorescence to see if they're at particularly higher risk of progression. And then while I don't show them, I don't find it very helpful for them to see their qualitative OCT images. I do uh, often show them their near infrared on the OCT scan, or I go to the advanced RP analysis section in the Zeiss software, where I can show them images of how their um, atrophy has changed over time and even quantitative measurements of that. And I think that gives them an understanding of what's happening and what this drug can do. Because as you all know, unlike you know DME or AMD and, and even PDR, we don't have pathology that we can treat and then make it go away to show them. We're just showing them something slowing down. So showing them prior progression, uh, I find has been helpful. Um, and then of course, you know, the OCT, we have to monitor that anyways, because we're looking for exudation and things like that that can happen secondary to uh, time or the drug itself. Yeah, I think I think you bring up an excellent point uh, because sometimes the picture is worth a thousand words and uh, we're so lucky to be able to pull up in the image uh, and show it to the patients. And the patterns are obvious, right? You don't need to go to medical school to see uh, growth of GA lesion. Kat, uh, do you do anything different? I think my patterns are very similar, but I agree with you. I think imaging is so key to what we do and how we sort of explain things to patients. And GA is kind of an interesting space because I think um, we're so used to being able to show our patients fluid on the OCT and then how it responds to treatment. And um, and geographic atrophy, it's a little different what we're looking for. Um, I also, too, like to get uh, funos autofluorescence, especially if I'm getting um, having serious conversations about sort of initiating treatment. But really, to be honest, OCT is really the workhorse of sort of what you know, I do in terms of trying to get a sense of how uh, much a patient's tissue has changed over time and really educating the patient. 
Um, I really like in forum being able to pull in sort of the first OCT from when I met the patient, looking at the infrared image and then looking at it, what it's been over, you know, at the most recent visit or before and trying to be able to sort of show them um, how um, any areas of atrophy has sort of changed. Um, I use the advanced RP analysis too, but I find that those infrared images are sort of helpful and to be able to explain how, you know, even over a period of a couple of years, things have slowly changed. I think it's key for me to understand how a patient might potentially benefit from treatment, but also sort of illustrating to them why, you know, their vision might be the same, but they're having more trouble sort of functioning. Yeah, I think you, you bring up uh, an excellent point. I think sometimes, uh, well, especially before we had any uh, therapies for geographic atrophy, we would only look at one scan. And I utilize uh, the retina workplace as well. Um, I find it very helpful because what you can do, you see on the bottom of the screen, the dates, right? And then you can pull any OCT uh, along with its unfast uh, into your viewer. And so sometimes I've been surprised if I look at a patient three years ago and I pull that image and then I pull today's image, how dramatic the change is. But if you if you just pull the last six two you know two six months apart visits, it's not going to be so pronounced. And uh, to the points that both of you have been making is it's not only um, to identify a potential candidate at that point in time, but see how somebody's progressing. Because I, I, I don't know if you agree, but I feel like we don't know by just looking at a patient, you know, if you get an autofluorescence, of course, you can look at the number of deletions, foveal involvement, you know, uh, different um, autofluorescence patterns, but we truly don't know who is going to be the progressor who would uh, potentially benefit the most from these treatments and having the ability to look back uh, is so nice. And uh, um, I use it a lot because out of fluorescence, I wasn't getting it five years ago or three years ago. So I don't have that uh, timeline. Uh, have you guys been getting out of fluorescence all along or is it just something new that you're incorporating? No, I, I was not getting out of fluorescence before either for, for my AMD patients. Um, so typically at the first visit, it is the uh, Zeiss OCT or, uh, and prior images that we compare to. And then usually I make a note that on the follow-up, let's get an auto fluorescence so I can show them at the next visit. Similarly, I wasn't really getting it either. Um, I would get it if I was not sure of the diagnosis, if I wasn't sure if they had geographic atrophy or something else, or I would get it if I thought someone might be a good candidate for a clinical trial for GA, um, and I just wanted to get a better sense of how much area is there. Now I'm trying to be better about, now, now that we've entered an era where there is treatment, of at least getting it at least once at baseline, so I can use that moving forward to be able to see if there's change. But I mean, even more reason that, you know, I think I really rely on sort of OCT and those infrared images to be able to see if there's changes. I really appreciate all of your guys' comments um, because it's so important, right? We get so excited about new therapeutics, about uh, interventions for our patients that can um, improve or preserve uh, their vision. Uh, but it comes uh, with a lot of logistics, right? We touched upon some, some of them. Uh, the chair time, the explanation, the education, and, uh, you know, uh, maybe bursting some myths that the patients have about uh, about therapies, and also imaging modalities. You know, like we mentioned, um, 
a novel uh, utilization of OCT in a way, right? Because we weren't looking at, uh, we're not looking at OCT the same way as we just used to look for fluid, um, looking at uh, the different manifestations of GA over time, and also um, out of fluorescence uh, that we're using more and more. So I, I truly appreciate you joining um, me today for this discussion. And I would like to thank the audience for listening to this episode of New Retina Radio and look forward to seeing you next time.